0: Thanks for joining the podcast today. If you didn't already know, this podcast is based off of our YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description below. Be sure to subscribe. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know who you are and where you're watching from. We'd love to get to know you. We are a self-funded channel. We don't receive money from churches or ministries, and that allows us to continue to make content that pushes the borders of our faith. So if you enjoy what we do, consider giving to our Patreon, For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help support this channel. You can find the link in the description below. Thanks again for joining us. We believe that by coming together, we can leave bad religion defenseless.
1: Hey everybody, we are back. It's been 18 years, <laughs> nine months and seven days since we've done a podcast, but uh, we're doing it. It's been a while. Oopsie. Like months.
0: I'm scared to look at when the last one was.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't even to. want to look. What's crazy is I looked maybe earlier this week. We're recording this on a Sunday night. I looked maybe like on a Tuesday or something. And uh, we're still getting consistent listens on the podcast. And I was like, why are you guys listening? We're not putting out <laughs> new episodes. Um, but we are really active, like on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. I'm like, yeah. all the short form content has been really active. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's driving people to the podcast and sure. to the other spaces. So sorry if you are <laughs> a longtime listener and we are just not scratching that mm. ish for you. Uh, but hopefully you are keepin- keeping up with the short-form content. Yeah. Um, it's a numbers game. And I hate to say it, you know, the short-form content is just, A, it's easier to make. It's literally me writing out a 60 to 90-second script. I have the studio set up now. Like, bang, bang. I can just sit down, press record on my camera and on, my, on our audio recorder. Pop it out. Takes me about an hour to edit, you know, and then get it all posted, and uh, it's it's a very quick turnaround. Yeah, Um, and if we're being honest, short form content is just what's being pushed right now. Mm-hmm. All, all the platforms are just pushing 60 seconds. So yeah. uh, if you want, not that we're in it for the views or the likes or anything like that, but we do want the conversation to grow and spread. And so you just kind of have to play by the rules of the the algorithms. And so you know, short form content is just where it's been at. I do like these podcasts because we can flesh out ideas a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we can always chop these into 60 second, 90 second clips, which are always fun. And those have yeah. traditionally done really well for us too. We mm-hmm. just have not had time to sit down for a couple hours mm-hmm. and knock this out because we've been super busy. Yeah. What have um, we done? Why? Why? I'm just trying to think. Uh, like over the past couple of months. Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, school started back in August. Yep. And your um, teacher. So, so I, we both full time work, but right. I also full time go to school.
1: Right. Yeah. You're finishing up your doctorate program.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's just if you're if I'm not doing school or work, we're probably like cleaning the house or we're
1: doing stuff with the kids, making
0: food.
1: Yep. <laughs> The things you
0: have to do to survive.
1: Um, you know, our Disney passes, we kind of let those expire. We had them for mm-hmm. two years and those were good. Um, but I think it's time to like move on to like bush Gardens or something with roller coasters. Yeah. You know, um, you know so that being said, maybe our um, going to Disney or not going to Disney <laughs> will give us a little more time to, to do some podcasts, you know,
0: priorities. we
1: won't be standing in line for an hour to see or to ride Guardians. Now we can do a podcast, you know, Ugh. so. But anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's been a while. Um, once again, if you are not following the TikTok, the Instagram, the Facebook, all that stuff, um, you're not really getting the most out of what we're doing right now. Um, we are going to attempt to try to do these more frequently. I know I say that all the time. So I know, it's like, and
0: it's like October, right? <laughs> the holidays.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's October 1st right now. I'm recording this, so I'll try to get it out in the next couple of days. But by the time you're hearing this, you're probably in the first week of October. Yeah. Um, yeah. Weather hasn't cooled down for us no. yet. We had like a moment where the at it wasn't night. so humid, but it. nobody would call it cool. No, it like no. got down to 70 maybe, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some cool weather coming for us, which is nice because here in Florida, it's a constant sauna. So, um, but yeah, hopefully where you're at, it's a lot colder and you're looking at mountains or skyscrapers. Crispy. and Crispy uh, leaves. Yeah, crisp leaves. Apple orchards. <laughs> She's obsessed with apple orchards. And we don't have any down here, so she constantly complains that we don't have apple orchards and how much better the north is because they have apples and (laughs) we do not have apple
0: orchards. Last fall, my aunt sent me apple orchard donuts in the mail.
1: Yeah, they were pretty good.
0: They are delicious. I'm not going to
1: lie. I'm sure we could find a donut shop that has something similar it's not here. The same. Yeah, I know. You it's gotta
0: be right in the orchard.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be eating the apple. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've just been busy. It's not an excuse, just what's been happening. And uh, we're gonna sit down and do it. I have an idea, not for tonight. Tonight, I'll kind of set that up in a second. But uh, I, we've just been talking about The Matrix a lot lately. I don't know why. I just love it. It's It, it is definitely one of my favorite film franchises. I don't know that I could say it's my favorite movie. But ask me on any given week, and I may say it is. You know, who knows? Um, I love sci-fi. I'm such a sci-fi nerd, and so obviously The Matrix fits in there. And then with all the philosophical implications that The Matrix has, uh, on top of its sci-fi and bullet time and all the cool stuff (laughs) they're doing uh, in Keanu, you know, it's very hard to hate Keanu. I could see how you would say, like, oh, maybe he's not the best actor, but you can't hate him. No. He's such a likable guy, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but anyway, so not tonight, but maybe over the next couple of podcasts, I kind of want to do like a matrix series, uh, just going through the movies and just like what speaks to you, because we were talking about earlier today, how the matrix is a movie, obviously it's sci-fi, um, and it's fun, but it's also what I think is a philosophical conversations set forth by the Wachowski. Uh, they were brothers at the time and I think one of them has transitioned, lana lana i can't remember well, they both did. did they both oh uh, i'm not sure though you may be correct i can't remember uh but you can't say the Wachowski brothers anymore is, is yeah, yeah, the yeah. point i'm trying to make but the wakowskis uh set forth a philosophical conversation within a uh trilogy initially and then they came out with a new one um last year two years ago a couple years yeah, a ago, couple years ago. Uh, i need to go back and watch it we saw it in the theater and so we'll have to make that a part of our uh discussion yeah. as well because I, I i only saw it once and uh I need to go back and look like,
0: the animatrix,
1: the animatrix too. We could talk about that. <laughs> kind of uh, there's, there's definitely some lore and some backstory there we could go through. But, uh, what I don't want to do is like make it a film, uh, like review. I really want to dive into like the philosophical conversations that I think the Wachowskis are putting forward because, um, I've been in plenty of church services where, uh, You know The Matrix was referenced or they'll play a clip from The Matrix. It's always the first movie. Nobody wants to talk about the second and third movie. I have a fond place in my heart for them. Um, But I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's not the same. It's not as good. Whatever. I can't stand those people. But um, I think they're all created equal in God's eyes. God loves each (laughs) movie equally. Um, But so, yeah, I just thought we could kind of uh, go through that. I don't know if we'll maybe we need to do um, we could do three different episodes and kind of bunch it up in pairs. So maybe watch the Matrix one and two, or we could start with the Animatrix and then the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, and then do two and three. And then maybe do like the fourth and a wrap up after that or something. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't think we need to dedicate four or five episodes to it. So no. we need to kind of bundle these together. Sure. Um, but yeah. So if you guys are interested in that, if you think that's fun, um, let's do it. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, I've seen church service and stuff talk about the Matrix. Uh, we were talking about it the other day. I think Chris Volatin from Bethel did like a whole thing on the Matrix. If I'm remembering the story correctly, I mean, any of those Bethel. Fans out there can correct me, but I think he was telling a story about a time he used the Matrix in one of his sermon clips and Bethel's a fairly large church and I think they were live streaming at that time and he didn't um, like he knew the piece he wanted and so he just found like the cuts and, you know, and put it on. But I think like part of it had like pretty rough language yeah. and he didn't think to like go through an editor. He didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. So literally he plays this whole like three minute clip <laughs> from the matrix and they like drop the F bomb or something like that, like right in church. And he's like, well, that's why you uh, proof these things before you put them out. So I'm pretty sure that's the story he told. Or maybe Bill Johnson told the story about Chris Voliton. I, I can't remember. But yeah, I no, no. I remember hearing that story. I am in no way uh, advocating for Bethel or uh, supporting them as an organization or franchise. I'm not going to down them or dog them. That can maybe be a whole conversation. I'm just telling you a story of a prominent church I know that used the Matrix in one of their sermons. I am not advocating for Bethel Church at this point so yeah there's that (laughs) that's that that. Uh, so anyway so yeah if you guys are excited for a Matrix series I'm super nerdy and love it and maybe no one will listen to it but I am really excited to talk about the philosophical implications of the Matrix and how it could uh, apply to our religion our God our Jesus uh, because there's some pretty clear imagery in some of these movies I mean in the end of the third one Nia literally like glows front, like like he's on a cross so I mean <laughs> the Wachowskis knew what they were doing Yeah. Um, so there's some conversations to be had so I think it'll be fun uh, but anyway so that'll be next week what I wanted to talk about tonight and we were actually going to do this like a month ago and we just didn't do it we've okay so just to clarify we've had plans to do this podcast for like two months and it yeah. just kept falling through um, oh, I didn't even mention we recorded a full podcast like two months ago and something happened with your cable or something like that. I don't know if she knocked it or if it was just a bad cable, but maybe about five minutes into the podcast, her mic goes out and we had no audio for her.
0: There was no fixing it. either, And
1: the, yeah, I can't the, I can't go back because we're on pod mics. Um so, yeah, just a whole podcast, two yeah, hours, just gone. I think we talked about Grace or whatever, and I, I don't even remember what Freedom. it was. was it the, oh, it was the Freedom Pod yeah. we were going to do. Yeah. It was probably and,
0: like 4th of July then, like in July. Maybe,
1: yeah. But anyway, <laughs> we recorded a whole podcast for you guys, and it had to get flushed because uh, I didn't have the audio, and I didn't think you guys would appreciate reading lips. So, you know, just didn't do it. But anyway... We're here. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about something um, that's maybe a little touchy, but I think it's very uh, prevalent and prominent in, in a lot of uh, social circles today, whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, uh, Democrat, Republican, Independent. I think in America, this conversation is big right now. Not as it only applies to religion, but a lot of things. Uh, so what I want to talk about tonight is the word indoctrination. And all the implications of that word and how people view that word uh, indoctrination. What I think is interesting, and I will discourage you from talking about your school experience specifically or any administrators or parents that you've dealt with, but I think talking in generalities from the perspective of a school teacher who's working with children every day, young children, kindergarten, mm-hmm. you've taught third grade as well. Yeah. Um. So you know that range and we have two boys of our own so you know we both know um how they're at that age they're sponges mm-hmm. right and so they'll soak up almost anything whether it's positive whether it's good behavior a lot of behavioral problems you see that aren't connected to like any kind of mental uh disabilities or anything like that are typically tied to how these kids are being raised and trained at home
0: for sure
1: um and so we know firsthand how indoctrination and that might be a strong word for some of you, uh, but as we go through the podcast, I think it'll make a lot more sense of why we're going to say the word indoctrination versus just upbringing or raising or whatever. Because um, it's it does apply. It starts in the home, but obviously, you know, we have schools and then we have churches and we have TV and we have media. We have all these avenues for us not only as children but as just people to soak up information and ideologies so i really kind of want to take a minute and step back look at the broader conversation and talk about like what is indoctrination where's the line of indoctrination um and are there any solutions Uh, sitting here right now, not at the end of the podcast, I'm not sure there are solutions. And and we'll kind of flesh that out a little bit more. Um, But I really just wanted to have the conversation of what does indoctrination look like today in America? And more specifically, what does it look like inside of the Christian evangelical world? Because that's where our experience comes from. Um, So I'll kind of kick it off to you. Give me your, I mean, you're going into your doctorate program for Give me the title again. You told me the other day, and it's absurd.
0: So it's a doctorate in education. The general, um, right. Yes. So, but it's in curriculum and instruction focused on instructional design and technology. Right.
1: So I had a friend ask me the other day, like, what's she doing her doctorate on? What's her dissertation? And she gave me this huge long thing. And I was like, <laughs> hold on. Tell me again. I don't have all these words, like, memorized. Yeah. Um
0: It's just a lot of.
1: So from an educator's perspective and somebody who has written curriculum for the state and is looking to get into more um, designing curriculum uh, or educational programs what what's your view not not necessarily on indoctrination out the gate but like tell me how kids absorb And retain information, let's say, you know, at an elementary school level, K through five. Like, what does that look like? Like, what's happening in their brain? Like, how do they receive information? Like, from an educator's perspective, give me, map me out a child's kind of absorbing information at a young age. What does that look like? What's that process? Um, Just kind of give me the
0: developmental
1: breakdown of what that looks like. I I know that's a lot. I know, I know.
0: I mean in general i would just say like uh, just clear cut i mean what they hear what they see i mean everything they observe like directly and indirectly is something they can probably learn from or absorb but there is a statistic that's like like if you're trying to actually learn something um like i can't remember i think it's like uh higher kids we call them high like based on their like academic skill level like higher kids someone could learn something like or hear something seven times and learn it but for kids who have like a harder time to learn they have to hear it i think it's like it's a crazy number like 500 times to to actually know it to
1: absorb it well to
0: know it to be able to like tell someone it back and implement yes
1: yeah 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 um, what about? I, I, and this, this is my own language. I don't know if this is technical language. Uh, like, what about like what I would call like off-axis learning, like when you're not trying to intentionally learn something, but you are kind of unintentionally absorbing either behaviors or information. Oh, yeah. um, how how does that play like inside of the education system? Because. Um, I feel like there are things in like high school specifically, I know for a fact, I was super lazy in high school and I didn't like try to learn, but there are certain pieces of information that I feel like I just absorbed through whatever means outside of my own intentionally trying to learn this information. So how does that work inside of education? Like kind of what I would call off access um, uh, learning, like Just just being around information long enough, even if it's unintentional, can you absorb that way? Like, do kids process in that way? I mean,
0: I think it depends. I think it depends on like what it is like. Like I have posters like all over my classroom of shapes and numbers, and I don't think they're actually like learning those things. Right. Like, uh, well, because and
1: I, they, I, well, at a kindergarten level, they can't even read yet. So
0: Right. But I mean, I do teach them to use those as like references. I'm sure. like, look up there. If you're trying to write a number and you can't remember how to write it because mm-hmm. they're so little, I'm like, look up their account. But, uh, but I'm saying, but if it's like a behavior, they're watching. Like I've had kids kind of like just start being bad because another kid was bad. Right. And that it just kind, kind of, of thing. rubs off on them. Like, I, yeah, for attention. I think, I sure. think they, you know, and it's almost it almost seems like subconscious.
1: Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like almost a subconscious learning. Yeah. Like how do we absorb things when we're not intentionally trying to absorb things like uh, you, you, how much did you care or I care or all of you out there right now? I feel like this is going to hit home for like all the millennials. <laughs> The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the (laughs) cell. I did not intentionally learn that, but we all absorbed it. And none of us use it on a daily basis, like unless you're like in high science and stuff like that. But like we all unanimously just absorb that that piece of information that we'll never really have to use it's doctrine in our brain we just have it like i don't know if all the textbooks and curriculums just decided to use that language but we have it and i can tell you from my experience i didn't like go hard and like learn that part in like biology or science class but we just absorbed it Mm -hmm. and so that's what i'm talking about like kind of that off axis like taking information when you're not necessarily meaning to you know yeah
0: i mean i don't know like the science behind that but it's clearly a thing
1: (laughs) sure sure
0: i mean i was telling you the other day like (laughs) this kid in my class like just yelled out a curse word
1: Mm -hmm. and i was
0: just like well where did you hear it from he's like Oh, that's what my dad says to my mom (laughs) and i was like Oh, you know, like, and the parents sure. might not even know that he's listening. Maybe like, oh, he's watching TV. Like, right.
1: And the dad didn't walk up to the kid and say, hey, I want you to say this or let's no, learn this no, word no, together. No. The kid just picks it up. Right. Maybe doesn't even fully understand the context or the oh, meaning right. of the word, but just kind of blurts it out in class. And then, hey, where'd you hear that? Oh, I picked it up from X, Y, Z. And it could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. Yeah. I mean, so TV.
0: clearly things that you're hearing or seeing even not directly, like, focusing on are things that, like, go go inside. <laughs> like
1: Yeah, and I don't think either of us are well-versed enough on the science enough to no, fully no, understand know. how that works, but no. I'm sure there are, uh, you know, psychologists out oh, there that sure. could kind of explain it. I wonder, and, you know, just kind of taking your general concept here, how much more receptive slash... Uh, absorbent are, you know, kids. Let's say K through five, than say a middle schooler or a high schooler or a college student or even us, like into our thirties, adults. Like, do you think they're really that much more of sponges at that age? I think so. And do you think it's because, I don't I mean this in a mean way, but because they are such a blank slate, because they yeah. they haven't absorbed that much information, so every piece of information is valuable to them uh, to a yeah. certain degree?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, kids at that age learn so much. Um, I mean, there's always kids, everybody's different, and there's always kids who learn slower and things sure. like that. But a hundred percent, I mean, I think like there's things they, you know, just have never heard or talked about and you'll like kind of just explain kindness and they're like, yeah, like everybody should just be nice. Like, what do you mean?
1: I remember having the conversation. I think it was sometime last year. So, uh, my oldest Jaden, he was either 14 or 15. Uh, I can't He's remember. He's 15 now. Right. So maybe it was. It just depends when. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember, but I think it was within a year or so. I feel like it might've even been around Christmas time last year. Um, But we were talking about, I think I just rewatched like Interstellar because I love Nolan and I love Interstellar and space is really cool. And Mm -hmm. um, the philosophies of like time travel and interdimensional and like all that stuff. I'm just super nerdy about it. Um, And so I was trying to explain to, let's say, my 14 year old at that time, um, how space and time work. (laughs) Uh, and how they're connected, like what the space time fabric is. I don't know the how a many...
0: paper and stick a pencil in it.
1: No, because that's more like wormhole theory and like <laughs> oh. time travel. So what I did is I took like I had him and um I had him and I hold like a blanket or a sheet. And then I put a ball, I think, in the middle of it. And I said, you know, this sheet is representative of space and time. And this is how gravity affects space and time, because he didn't understand because I was trying to explain to him. Theoretically, if you got close enough to a black hole, because the gravitational pull would be so strong, you would experience time at a much slower rate than somebody who is way farther away, like, say, on Earth or something like that. Because that's one of the main plot points in Interstellar, yeah. is that he's he feels like he's out there for, like, a day, and but- by the time he gets back, his... Teenage daughter is in her 80s or 90s. Yeah. You know, because of time dilation. So I was trying to explain to him on a fundamental level <laughs> how space time fabric works and how if you put a ball on the sheet of it, the weight of it pulls it down. You know, it's just yeah. trying to explain those concepts. And I just kept watching him, not intentionally because he was engaged, just mentally hitting this brick wall because his boundaries of that mm-hmm. haven't like expanded mm-hmm. that far yet. Yeah. But we were just going through and he's like, oh, hold on, but I don't understand. And so, you know, I think he got a general concept of it after I was explaining it for like 45 minutes, <laughs> but it was an interesting conversation. But, uh, you know, had I had that conversation around a seven year old, sure. you know, like what would have been absorbed, if anything, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's very interesting to me, like how we absorb information because if there's. One skill in my life I feel like I I, I can kind of hang my hat on is I feel like I absorb information really well. You do. And maybe even unintentionally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The amount of movie quotes that live inside my brain is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I would say maybe even more so than like music lyrics. Like I, I'm decent like with I lyrics mean... if I like songs and stuff. But man, I can hit you with quotes from movies all day and they're normally random ones that like people aren't quoting. I just I I love <laughs> movies and I love yeah. that interaction between characters and dialogue and all that stuff. And so unintentionally I just absorb the most random nonsense. But then mm. I also have the ability to absorb things like biblical concepts and yeah, yeah. space time continuums and, and I just I really do enjoy those things. Um but I know for me, I don't know that I was that spongy as a kid.
0: Well sure and and like From a curriculum design perspective, or even just, like, looking at what I teach in kindergarten and then what someone else teaches, I mean, the concepts are supposed to build on each other. They get more complex, and that's just how it's designed, is to to build on it, which is a whole thing in itself. Like, some kids never learn the foundation, so then there's nothing to build on. And then they struggle and struggle and struggle.
1: I... So I went to, what was it, almost, I think it was 30 different elementary schools as a kid. That's nuts. It's bad. Uh, I had kind of a crazy upbringing, and maybe we can get into that one day. Um, But I think it was about 30 elementary schools. We were moving constantly, and there's kind of chaos in my life growing up. Um, But I remember specifically knowing this, maybe about like a third or fourth grade level, um, maybe even earlier than that. I'd be out of school. Maybe I'd been there for a month or two. And we're just going to start our times tables. Then we move. And I get to a school, you know, in a different city, different part of Florida. And they're just wrapping up their timetables or they're on, you know, their nines or whatever. And I just remember sitting there feeling so stupid when they Mm -hmm. put that, you know, the times table.
0: Yeah, you have to like do it in a minute. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I just remember like not crying or having a mental breakdown, but knowing I am not. And it was so difficult to catch back up Mm -hmm. because I didn't have those foundational pieces. I was trying to put it all together. Same thing with like handwriting. Um, Now, I know a lot of guys handwriting is bad.
0: I don't know why Um, that's a thing.
1: But I feel like for me, I don't know that I would have better handwriting, but I do remember specifically the same thing. Like at a young age, um, me being yelled at by a new teacher at a new school because I didn't do my letter in the correct way you know or because i had to self-teach myself a lot of times you know so maybe they teach you you would know this i don't know but how how to make an a like i don't know like you see the circle and the little swoop at the bottom yeah
0: we do a stick
1: see i was never taught that so for (laughs) me I had to see these letters, know what they were. I, I think I read very well at a young age. So reading was always a strength of mine. Yeah. Um, but as far as the mechanics of these things, I would see letters and I would just have to teach myself how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then so when I came to the table at school to do these things, technically it was correct. As far as like it looked like a letter A or, uh, you know, a uh, Z, or I'm trying to think anything with a loop, like a P, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like things that you would need mechanics, like here's the loop and then here's how, then you do the yeah. stick or the stick and then the loop. I just had to do those things on my own because I wasn't able to pick them up or I wasn't in a uh, position to learn that all the way through. Mm-hmm. So, so much of that I had to pick up on my own and I was wrong a lot, at least yeah. in, in the implementation of how I use those things. Yeah. So, even when I got to like high school, I felt very handicapped in a lot of ways because sure. I don't think I was ever unintelligent. And I don't think even like my middle school and high school teachers even knew that about me, But I was coming in very handicapped into the educational world because I just missed so much. Not as far as like missing school. I'm sure I missed a decent amount of school, but it wasn't so much that I was just tardier absent so much. It was that I was never in a place long enough to build the foundations of the education that I would need later into yeah. middle school and high school. So it put me at a severe disadvantage. Um, I was a very strong reader and a very strong writer. And I think those really helped me get through but i was told all through middle school and high school that i was just an underachiever and i was way smarter than this and there was absolutely one billion percent an element of laziness to all that for me and i don't know if that's just a teenage boy thing but that's totally where i was at but i think some of that laziness came down to i just didn't feel confident in my skills to to be able to execute some of those things um science history geography great love those things because they were more Um, cognitive I could you know have a conversation and we could work these things out Um, but just some of the fundamentals of math and writing you know at an early age those were tough for me because I didn't have a time to build those building blocks Mm -hmm. and then even today I feel a little stupid like when I write things I'm like I know I'm probably not doing this right it works you could totally read what I'm writing (laughs) but I think people would perceive it as sloppy you know what I'm saying because It is. It's a second grader who had to figure this out by himself. And I've just been writing that (laughs) way ever since. So, um, and I I don't feel bad about it, but it's, it's just, that was kind of one of the things that I went through. And so I understand how development, uh, educational development can absolutely help or harm a kid if it's implemented or not implemented well. Um, So everybody's probably like thinking on the podcast, like, what are they talking about? We're talking about education. (laughs) I do want to work in Christianity and religion to this. So I'm just kind of setting a backdrop of like why I do think education is important, um, how I think uh, there are um, definitely foundational pieces in our lives that help us pick up and and do become building blocks for us later.
0: I mean, and there's a huge, I mean, a conversation right now about Teachers indoctrinating students.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's that's so. kind of what I wanted to talk about. As far as when we okay, you're a kindergarten teacher. Yes. You come home and tell me every day <laughs> they're crazy that is a bunch of Four And five year olds, do you have any six year olds?
0: Uh, they're five and six.
1: They are five and six. Once in
0: a while, they'll come in at four, and like, but they have to turn five before like a we'll,
1: month. Will a good amount of them be seven by the time they leave you? No,
0: they'll be six. Okay,
1: so five and, six-year-olds, five and six year olds solid. Yeah. Okay,
0: so unless you ha- they got like held r- back.
1: retained, right? Yeah, so you have a solid five and six year olds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know if you guys who are listening or watching have been around five and <laughs> six year olds. Uh, the, the phrase herding cats for me seems applicable 100%. Um, I tell Christina all the time, um, I could never do your job (laughs) ever Uh, because it's just, it's chaos. You know, they can't, I I can't, I can't, (laughs) I love my kids. That was a fun age for me with two boys. Yeah. 20 of them. No. Yeah. I'm 22 this year. So it's so. You come home, you tell me stories every day of like, well, this kid was acting up, so we had to take care of this problem, or maybe a kid was sick, or like they changed our schedule, or you know, just all the variables that could go into the chaos of teaching five and six year olds yeah. on any given day. And so when I hear a lot of people are like, oh, they're indoctrinating our kindergarten. It's like, they're lucky if you can get them to sit down for 10 minutes and accomplish a if task. I can teach
0: them what I'm supposed to teach them.
1: Right, right. Even getting through just the base curriculum <laughs> that you have for them, reading, writing, a little yeah, bit of math, yeah. you know, whatever you guys. And so I find it very funny when people um typically like hyper conservative people are like oh they're trying to indoctrinate our kids i was like go into a kindergarten classroom for two days and you tell me how much room for indoctrination
0: when they get older it's so busy there's so much that they want us to teach them in the given curriculum
1: well and that's what i was going to say so not even just the chaos of having five and six year olds but then you have the actual implementation of all the things you guys have to do from uh from a principal level from a district level from a state level like all the things that you guys just the the check boxes that you have to hit
0: they're ridiculous
1: and you're dealing with the chaos of five and six year olds sometimes when people are like oh they're indoctrinating our kindergartners like how when
0: yeah yeah when are they doing this
1: because i'm looking at (laughs) christina i'm like she can't even get done usually what they have on her plate. Yeah. Much less pump in her social construct ideas.
0: Well, We like teachers, even right now, we're like, we can't even get them to listen to us. Like we can't be like, sit down and they'll sit down. Right. So no, it's not happening.
1: So it's very funny. Let's, let's dive into it for a second. So we were at a Christmas, um, uh, like, I don't know if it was at Christmas or something and I don't want to get too in the details or weeds with it. Um, but we had like an extended family member there. and um,
0: like a Christmas party.
1: Yeah, but oh, okay. I think it was actually Christmas Day. Like oh, it wasn't okay. like a party. It was like, you know, family lunch and opening presents and stuff. Oh, okay. We had an extended, extended family member there. And, um, this person, uh, I think was talking to you and or me. And basically said because they they knew you were a teacher and they say well how do you feel about all the CRT stuff being taught in our classrooms and I just looked at them and sometimes uh, I'm usually I can be pretty passive and I've (laughs) a skill that I've learned getting older is just learning not when to say something. Sure. Somebody can say something stupid or off or wrong and I feel like younger me would just dive all over it. Older me's like I don't have the energy for this. Yeah, you start to learn. uh, But that was not that day. And that day, it didn't turn into an argument or anything, but I just looked at that person. I'm like, you know, they don't teach that anywhere, right? And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, can you show me one school curriculum, K through five, whatever, where they're teaching CRT? And they're like, oh, well, I just heard that. And they are saying, and I was like, it's a couple college courses. Very few. And these are adults, mind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College kids are not kids they're adults they're, they're 18 they're yeah. 18 or up and if they choose to take a class on that then they choose just like if they choose to take a painting class where they're painting nude people Like that's not the college pushing nudity onto our students. That's an art class that chooses to use that form of expression right? or a film class or a social history class or a black history class or like whatever, you know, Um, those are adults choosing to take those courses either for enjoyment to fill up their schedule or to use practically for whatever degree they're going for. But those are adults. Mm -hmm. We are not teaching CRT. On any level in the public school system. No. It's not happening. But that particular person had totally bought into the concept that it was. Yeah. Uh, And then you see like people like, all the time uh, like on news I, I love uh, Jordan Kepler like when he's out there interviewing yeah, all these people funny. and he'll just say like what is CRT can you explain because they'll be like well you <laughs> yeah. know they're trying to indoctrinate our kids with the CRT and blah 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 and he's like yeah yeah can you explain to me like what CRT is and they're like well Maybe. I re- I haven't looked into it so I don't really <laughs> <laughs> he's like so, so then what's your problem with it well they're trying to push their agenda what is their agenda well you know it's the woke and it's the but you can't yeah. tell me what this thing is so there's kind of this boogeyman Of indoctrination out there. And I think it's such low hanging fruit to use kids as a scare tactic because everyone loves kids. Well, I mean, normal people. We all love our own kids. You (laughs) know, like normal human beings should have a special place. For children. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're, they're, most of them are our offspring or we can understand because we have offspring, how somebody else's offspring yeah. would be important. Children are sacred to us and they yeah, should yeah. be in, in pretty much every society. So it's very low hanging fruit to use them as bait or as, to, as a political agenda. And so when I see people like with the CRT thing or the. Uh, the drag queen story hour and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm just like...
0: I mean, in, in Florida, the book bans. And... The
1: book bans. And, and not even just like... Just some of the stuff that they've banned is so silly and it's mm-hmm. stupid. And I don't want to get too much in the politics of it all, although it's becoming increasingly harder to separate those two things. And I don't feel sure? like it's not for lack of trying. I try to keep politics and religion as separate as possible, but I feel like the conservative evangelical right is not giving me much room to to not connect these yeah. two at these at this point. It's it's almost impossible not to connect the two. They are synonymous. I feel like at this point. Will it always be that way? I don't know. But that's where we've been for probably the past ten years or so, um, and it's probably not going away anytime soon.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So I think it's very low-hanging fruit to use children as like a scare tactic, to scare people into voting a certain way or to thinking a certain way or to create a boogeyman when there's not really a boogeyman there. Look, you and I hypothetically may not agree with something like Drag Queen Story Hour. You know what we don't have to do? Take our kids to it. Sure. Because it's not in public schools. If if someone chooses to engage in that kind of activity, which that's by all means, that's their parental right to do so with their children then that's their right. If they mm-hmm. take them to a place that does that, a bookshop, like wherever they're going, that's their right as parents to do that. Much like it is your right to take your child to see a rated R movie. Right. You can do it. That's your choice as a parent. And I think we all have to live with those choices. You yeah. Know?
0: I mean, the problem with that, that, the political, that side, is a lot of them are saying like, we don't want the schools to indoctrinate you like our kids, but then they're like, but we need prayer in the schools. Hey, right. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense.
1: Right, so and it's it's talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah. It's saying, we don't want the CRT in our classrooms. Well, it's not there in the first place, right? Sure. We don't want, to use a very Florida term right now, we don't want woke ideology in our classroom, mm-hmm. which really just means inclusion. <laughs> I feel like every time they talk about woke uh, ideologies, we're really just talking about inclusion. Yeah. We're talking about not... Um, Separating people because of their uh, gender, their sexual orientation, their race, uh, maybe even their disabilities, mental health, like all those things. We're just talking about everybody should just be cool with everybody. And I don't know why that's such a hard concept for people. Um, What you do behind closed doors is is your business as far as I'm concerned. Um, And we should be inclusive to everyone who walks through our doors, especially – As a country like America, that is an absolute melting pot, right? That's kind of our claim to fame, is that we are such a diverse uh, nation. We have people from every race, religion, ethnicity, background, and that's what makes us uh, somewhat special, is that we have that. Instead, though, I see there's a lot of us that are not leaning into that and saying this is a good thing. They're saying, ah, we shouldn't talk about slavery, because it makes... White people back then looked bad. Well, they I were. hate to break it to you, but that wasn't good, yeah. right? Uh, and let's not use the the line of like, oh, well, maybe the slaves learn something while they are a slave. And like, why are we trying to put, what's the expression? Lipstick on a pig. Yeah, Still a pig. Still, it still is what it yeah. is. And so, you know, I think that's what's crazy to me is a lot of times when I look at the evangelical uh, motives. Uh, It's I don't want to say it's outright racist, but they're doing some things that don't help that argument. Sure. You know, saying we shouldn't teach about slavery in our schools is insane. It happened. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to dig into the minutia of it, it's the backbone of why our country is probably so strong today. Economically speaking, you know, we we, the the South thrived on slavery and made. I I mean, I don't know. What it would be equivalent today, but probably trillions and trillions of dollars in revenue because of free labor, right? Didn't have to pay anybody. Right, didn't have to pay anybody. Uh, And then their slaves could just keep having more slaves, and you have more free workers, and Mm -hmm. then you could sell them all for profit. I mean, it was it was a whole thing. Um, And so, teaching historically accurate things about slavery, I don't feel like that's indoctrination. I feel like that's just us being honest about where we were at that point in history. Right. I don't know anybody. I'm. Mean, there might be somebody out there, but I don't know anybody who's still pro slavery. So that's not the argument we're having. We're not yeah, talking yeah. about like, oh, well, some people are pro slavery and some people aren't. Everybody, for the most part, is like, no, slavery was bad. Yeah. So why are we so afraid to talk about it? You know, and like, oh, well, it's going to make the white kids feel bad in the classroom. They they're not pro slavery. Yeah, yeah. We're just teaching them the harmful effects of some of these things mm-hmm. inside the classroom, and I don't think it's bad in its history. It's not ideology, it's history, right? Yeah, yeah, Um. But to go back to your point, then, you know, they don't want certain things taught in schools. They don't, they want to ban certain books and they want to get rid of woke ideology. But at the same time, I think it was last month in Texas, uh, you know, they want, I think they did pass a measure to get the Ten Commandments put up in schools. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a certain district or if it was the state. You guys can sure, fact check sure. me on that. Um, but... I think it passed, but even if it didn't, the legislation was put forward by conservative evangelical uh, leaders to get the Ten Commandments put into the classroom. So when they get fired back on and people are saying, well, hold on, like I thought we weren't trying to indoctrinate our kids, then they hit them back with, well, our country was founded on Christian principles. So this actually isn't indoctrination. This is just what our country. And so... It's like saying the thing without saying the thing. If you're not Christian, you're not right.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what that would be saying.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think if we're going to I, to, I I, feel two types of way about it. If we're going to allow the conversation of religion in our schools, it needs to be done on a very broad scale to where each religion gets its own chapter section equally you know what I'm saying Christianity shouldn't get more than the Muslim faith Muslims shouldn't get more than the Buddhist and and yeah. all if, if we're gonna go down that route if we're not and we're just gonna say we need to remove all religion then we need to remove all religion from that conversation but not give special treatment for Christianity because it was our founding fathers our founding fathers owned slaves yeah. and some of them died from STDs <laughs> and some of them owned brothels prostitutes you know I mean I don't want to like dog on the whole American history, but if you do any kind of research, uh, you would be very hard-pressed to back those people today. If those people existed today and did all the things they they did back then, they would probably be, for, for lack of better words, canceled. Sure. Or, or worse, or maybe imprisoned, probably imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get that it was a different time. But God has been God, Jesus has been Jesus, and the Bible has been the Bible. Yeah. So... Owning, owning brothels, sleeping with prostitutes, putting other men in chains and forcing them to work. I don't care who you are and what time it was. The Bible was written and it's very clear. Jesus is very clear on how to treat people. And none of that fits under that yeah. umbrella. So I have a hard time personally saying we are founded on Christian principles. Come on, man. In, in what way? Yeah, in yeah. what way? Because we put it in some language, but then we just completely ignored it when we go to live our lives. I mean, not only did we enslave a whole race of people, but we committed genocide and and killed, uh, what is it, 90% of the population that lived here before we got here? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just bad. Like, American history is not great. Yeah. Uh, Especially under the guise of Christians, right? We're talking about, oh, these... We're not talking about America or Americans at that time like we're a bunch of like Neanderthal barbarians just like roaming the countryside. Like these were the powdered wig men who were well read Mm -hmm. and knew scripture and used it in a lot of their documentation. And then at the same time uh, created some of the worst atrocities in modern history, you know, Uh, and I think we just have to put that all in a grander scope. So when we talk about indoctrination, to me it feels like indoctrination not to mention some of these things. I don't think it's woke ideology. I think it's, it's just right there in front of your face. If you care to look, it's there, you know? Um, and I get it. These are very uncomfortable conversations to have. I would be open to the conversation of what age do kids need to start hearing about that. But I think at some age in the public school system, it's very appropriate, Mm -hmm. especially probably middle school and high school, you know, teaching a kindergartner about slavery is kind of tough. I get that. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but at some point, I think we have to have these conversations, and I'm open to the conversation of when. I think that's up for debate. Um, but I think at some point it is. Uh, so I I get very nervous when we start talking about indoctrination, especially when it's coming from the radical left and these wokes and blah blah blah. When I look across the aisle to the evangelical conservative crowd, and to me, as someone who believes in Jesus sees that as as indoctrination i think what we're put or what they're pushing is more outrageous in my opinion because they're not ashamed to try to put it on a national or uh educational level no i I mean my personal opinion i don't think the ten commandments have any room or right to be inside of a public education system what does a muslim student do with that information what does a student whose family is atheist or agnostic yeah, do with that information? Weird. You know, what I'm saying like, uh, what what does somebody who doesn't buy into what you buy into? What are they supposed to do with that information? And the argument is like, oh well, it's just it's good practice anyway. But that's not what we're talking about. No. I get that like not murdering someone is a good idea, but you're putting it in a religious context. You're mm-hmm. using it as God said. God said. Right. And that's why. And 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 I feel like a lot of people, not children, because they don't know how to speak up for themselves yet, but a lot of parents would be looking at this and be like, Who's God? It's not my God. Why why are you pushing your religion? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it gets very messy very quick. And so I'm I'm very hesitant to, if at all, side with the evangelical conservatives that are screaming indoctrination because I look across the aisle and I'm like, I'm more scared of what you're teaching and preaching on a public space uh, than I am my kids learning about inclusion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, indoctrination in
1: the church is on a whole new level. Right. To be fair, though, to go back to that conversation, you kind of have to split it two ways. A, just like it is a parent's prerogative to take their children to a rated R movie. It's also a parent's prerogative to take their child to a religious service. Right. We can, we will talk about inside the home, like what that looks like, and and maybe the dangers there. But I, I would be very wary about drawing a line of what parents can do as far as teaching their children. That gets messy. State-controlled, te- like that, that, like that's communist,
0: no, crazy yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. No, I agree. And so,
1: yeah, I do agree. There's indoctrination inside of the church, but at the same time, I feel like I don't have the right to comment on what a parent does with their child, as far as taking them to religious organizations. Oh, I agree. Now they start doing human sacrifices or like sex trafficking. That's a different conversation. But if we're just talking about taking a child to a mosque or a church or a temple or wherever your religion meets, uh, and just learning about their ideologies and religion, I think, you know, that's, that is America, baby. Like that's what we do. We freedom of religion is very real. And I think even if you don't agree with it, you have to respect it. Right. Right. Um, at least respect it on a fundamental level that they have the right to do that. What's the expression? I don't agree with you, but I agree with your right to say it. Kind of thing. I don't agree with the conservative evangelical uh, form of Christianity, uh, but as somebody who lives in America, I do with agree with your right to practice it. You know, and so that becomes very tricky as far as indoctrination goes. Because can we look at let's just use our background as as an example? Like I was raised in a hyper charismatic speaking in tongues falling on the floor laughter in services just all the crazy were
0: indoctrinated
1: right can i look back and say i was indoctrinated um and then did did my family have the right to do that here's where i think it gets muddy did they have the right to do that
0: i i mean i i guess they have the right to but that doesn't mean they should i have the right to spank my kid on the butt as hard as i want
1: uh, kind of, you can kind of go to <laughs> I mean, for that no, yeah,
0: But I'm saying like, I mean, but I, do I want to do that? Like, is that the best method? No. I mean, I think well, parents have the rights to do a lot of things like to care for their kids. So, but,
1: so are you saying then you don't think it's appropriate for any families to teach their kids about religion? No. So where's that line?
0: I'm saying teach them about them all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying
0: enlighten like them about other religions and to be respectful. Like, you know, I have a friend who um, her son plays for the YMCA. Mm-hmm. They're not practicing religious people, but they at the YMCA, they're a religious like institution. Sure. So they pray before every game. Right. And their kid's like, like, well, what enough. is Yeah, what is this? I mean, he's seven. Right. They don't do that at home. Sure. But she has taught him to be respectful of other people's beliefs.
1: Right. But I don't know I don't know anybody I grew up with who was taught about all kinds of different religions. I've never met that person.
0: Right. But I'm thinking that
1: that should be what we do. Sure. I mean, we don't do that. We haven't done that as parents. No, we should. Yeah, I get it. But I think at a certain point, like, you do have your own lane, right? Like, at a certain point, like, people... Like, this is
0: what we believe, but...
1: Sure. Well, I, I mean... mean uh... But
0: we've, like... Watch things where they believe, like they believe in other things.
1: Yeah, I'm not scared for my kids to be um, engaged with other concepts right. and ideas saying, of other religions and things like that. Like, but what I didn't do is take my six year old, sit him down at the kitchen table one night, and said, "Here's the Muslim faith. Here's the Christian faith. No. Here's the Buddhist faith. Here's Scientology. Here's agnosticism. Here's all these things, and let's talk no. about which one you want to do." You know what I'm saying? Right.
0: But I, my thing, I'm saying like. But in the way you live, that indirect learning, like respecting people and not being like, well, we don't like believe what they want. So what
1: we're talking about is inclusion. Yeah. Being inclusive and being um, understanding, Mm -hmm. uh, respecting people's faiths, heritage, backgrounds, religions, all those kind of things. (laughs) There's a spider. (laughs) It's a baby one.
0: It was a little one.
1: Um, And so I, I, I agree with that. But at the same point, like. Ah, It's so tricky. Like, did I indoctrinate my kids? Because they grew up in a Christian household. Uh, Now, some of the things that I grew up, not um, teaching them specifically, but things that I let them engage with or uh, see at a church level. Uh, Yeah, I I probably would not have taught them if I could redo it now. Sure. You know, Uh, but I think that's parenting. One on one. there's all the things we would go well, back and change and as a parent a
0: lot you've learned since
1: then too well that's I what i mean like the then. idea of growing as a parent and as an individual into your 30s and 40s is you get a little wiser and we yeah. all wish we could go back and do things differently uh and i think a lot of times our kids are wrapped up in that and i think that's yeah, yeah. just the messiness of being an imperfect yeah. parent you know which we all are um you know so should should i as a parent beat myself up because I allowed my kids to be exposed to that, you know, and did I indoctrinate my kids? That's, I don't have an answer for this. This is just kind of like what I muddle around in my head is um, where's that line? Like as, as not on a school level, not on a state level, just at a home level. um, Where's the line of uh, showing your kids different paths and then indoctrination? I don't know. And I don't know.
0: What is indoctrination defined as?
1: Uh, We looked it up the other day. You you can Google it real quick if you want to. Um, But my definition would be uh, just kind of implanting thoughts, concepts, ideologies uh, into someone's head as fact. Sure. And not giving them maybe the full scenario. Ah.
0: This one says, the process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically.
1: Right. Right. Like it's fact. Yep.
0: Right, right. And I mean, I mean, parents probably do that. But what I mean, when I was thinking of this discussion, I I was thinking of like the church doing it. The church absolutely 100% teaches and is, is, like indoctrinating people because it's some uncritical. Of,
1: some of them. Uh, what I like about the Methodist tradition that Ooh, yeah, that we've stepped into is one of their mm-hmm. tenants, we went and did like kind of like a loose membership class or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of their tenants, I cannot remember what it's called. It's like the little thing we got. But basically they believe that each um, societal group, even religion, has value. Yeah, maybe that we don't believe exactly what they believe, but we have something to learn from our Muslim brothers, yeah, from our atheist brothers, yeah. you know what I'm saying.
0: And I thought that like that was incredible because in I mean, I'm sure you grew up in the same way I did. I literally grew up in circles where they thought i I don't know if that's just the way I accepted it or believed it, but I like thought we were the better of the denominations even. Of, of the oh. different b- Christian believing people.
1: Sure, well, I mean, when you and I got married and I worked for a Methodist church that first time, didn't you have friends that basically told you like yeah. that it's wrong? Yes. That's insane
0: Right. That is indoctrination It's basically. the same God
1: It's for the most part Just how we choose to practice Is the difference I mean there are theological right. differences But they were like warning you Like oh it's bad yes. don't, don't go on that side of the tracks That's
0: crazy That
1: is indoctrination Like straight right. up Like that is what it looks and, like And
0: I know like I, I mean I'm church of God raised Sure Pentecostal raised Right I, That's not the only denomination That does that No you know and there's even more extreme cases like you know I told you I watched <laughs> that um like Duggar documentary right. and there's things that they just you know uncritically like this is right this is what sure. we're teaching you you know you wear skirts you grow long hair um parents have every right to lord over you sure. there's no critical thought it's just you have to accept this and this is what right, is right.